Hello and welcome to the Track Talk Podcast Abu Dhabi Grand Prix review. What a race, what a season. There is so, so much to talk about. I'm joined by Jay again and Charlotte is back. How are you guys? Uh, you know what, Dan? I'm not too sure how to feel. We're recording this on what, Tuesday? And I still feel pretty numb from the weekend. And that's not me saying I'm a Hamilton fanboy. Just as a fan of Formula One, as someone who loves and adores the sport, I feel pretty empty still. Mood. Hey guys, I'm very pleased to see your lovely faces. Glad to be back. Still definitely have not recovered from that race. Uh, Speechless, I think, is the word, which is not good for a podcast, but I'll do my best to find some words. (laughs) <laughs> could, be, could be a long day. <laughs> could be a long day. Um, Abu Dhabi, if the track changed, did you like it? Quick mention on that. Do you prefer it? Did I like it? Did I like it? Well, um, I was optimistic because they, they took out that stupid chicane before the tur- the hairpin that used to be, what, turn six? That's now turn five. I believe it was that, yeah. Uh, they took out that stupid, that stupid chicane, which was good. Um, they got rid of that weird left-right-left at the end of the second sector, which was good. They made the the final sets a bit more open, which was, I don't know, I didn't really notice it, to be honest. It looked kind of the same. Uh, I don't know, really. Like, I don't think it made too much of a difference, personally. Interesting. I think Charlotte, I quite liked think? it. Um, you know, from what the driver said, it's more flowing, which I agreed. It just felt a lot more kind of natural with the turns, and I liked... I can't remember which turn it was, which is not helpful. But, you know, that large one that has a tiny bit of banking, but not much. But it allowed drivers to kind of choose different lines. Turn nine. Turn nine. There we go. Um, Which I thought was quite nice to see, especially like the, you know, turn, not turn one, lap one. Um, Yeah. So I think it was better. I think it was better than what it was last year. Last year was one of the dullest races, I think. They all just started and ended in the same position so um yeah i think there was a nice improvement yeah it was definitely better but then again saying that it couldn't really get worse but an improvement is an improvement nevertheless ganjay f2 was actually really good though f2 was really good i don't know like that bank corner in f2 was ridiculous you had like six cars going around at the same time i mean it was a bit perilous i mean no piastri crashed with, there was like four yeah there were like four wide at one yeah. point coming into one of the sections it's crazy so maybe in Abu Dhabi, F2 is the vibe. F1's just there. Maybe, maybe <laughs> F2 should be the main race, and F1 should support it in Abu yeah. Dhabi. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's an idea. I don't know. We'll speak to Stefano Dominicali about that one. Um, it was a weekend of lasts, of course. It was Kimi's last race for Alfa Romeo, Gio's last race for Alfa Romeo, Bottas's last race for Mercedes, and George's last race for Williams. Which of those are you most sad about? Just out of interest. Giovinazzi. Do you know what? Ooh. I actually think controversially. I think he's done enough this year to justify staying on the grid. I think there's been drivers who have been a lot worse I think than I agree. he has that probably don't deserve to be on the grid, but I guess stay on the grid and he's going to leave because Guan Yu Zhou's coming in. And is Guan Yu Zhou even the right man to come in? When you've got Piastri doing as well as he's done, Robert Schwartzman's been in a rich vein of form second half of the F2 season. <sighs> I don't know. I'm, I'm going to miss Gio. I feel like he was... Very much underrated during his his tenure in Formula One. Hopefully, this will in Formula E. Uh, yeah. I well, I would say who I will miss most is the Alpha Alpha Romeo driver, and that was Kimi Raikkonen. I just love his like 
really nonchalant, doesn't really care kind of attitude <laughs> to everything. Um, really just, he's just a great character and a, you know, big, in a way, a big personality of F1 in the sense of just of how mellow he is. Um, so yeah, there's no one like him and uh, it's a great shame that he's leaving the sport, but hopefully we'll see him do some form of racing in the future, which I think he has uh, mentioned something like rallying or something like that. So um, yeah, best of luck to Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, he definitely hasn't ruled out racing. I think, yeah, he said himself, he loves the racing. He just hates everything else, like the media and all the PR and everything like that. So if it was just racing, he'd still be there. But it's not in one day Formula One, sadly. Uh, speaking of Kimi, he provided the only action of the practice sessions when he crashed in FB2 at Turn 14. A lot of damage, not the biggest hit in the world, but nothing else really happened in practice. Qualifying, pretty sorry, standard. But, Go sorry, on, Dan, before you move on to qualifying... Uh, Kimmy's crash in FP2 was it FP2. Yes, it was. Was very ominous, very ominous, ominous indeed. And that's explain. Well, I mean, two days later, a certain other someone who's from a very cold country, which has a red maple leaf as a flag and drives a white car, also crashed at Turn 14 and led to huge controversy. Anyway, bit of foreshadowing. Oh, spoiler alert! God, I bet no one knows what happens yet, Jay. Jeez, such a secret this F1 season. Sorry, uh, sorry. No, of course I'm joking. Mazepin, Schumacher, Raikkonen and Russell Latifi. We all lost in um, Q1. Latifi outqualified Russell. Just a quick note there. Fair play to him. Q2, we lost Vettel, Giovinazzi, Stroll, Gasly. Gasly was a surprise, actually. And Alonso. Jay, Gasly's your man. Yeah, do you know what? I was very surprised. Do you know what? The thing is, right, is that I think it's, it's very much testament to Pierre Gasly's season that we can sit here and go, oh... Gasly was out in Q2, out, out, you know, and, and say that was a bad qualifying for Gasly because yeah. he, he set he's he standards so high and he's usually like P5, P6 in qualifying, and he's in there with the with the with the the McLaren and the Ferraris. I think it's testament just, just to how good he's been this year that we're criticising him for coming 12th. Yeah, I think that's very true. Actually, that's very true. He has massively overperformed this season, and fair play to him. Um, Q3, Verstappen took the pole from Lewis Hamilton, Lando Norris, Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz in 5th, Bottas in 6th, which looks really bad on the surface, but Toto Wolff came over the radio and said, great job considering the engine. I believe it was 9 races old, I think, but it was supposedly more reliable, which explains why he wasn't really up there. Why didn't they put a new ICE in then? Five they should have just, yeah, why not? He hasn't yeah, had I enough think that would have made more sense. Why not? I mean, <laughs> I mean, let's... Let's say that he qualifies P3 behind Max and Lewis, starts P8. He's got a, a good engine to start the race with, can maybe get himself into the mix. But, yeah. yeah. Not sure what they were thinking, to be honest. Charles Leclerc, P7. Yuki Sonoda popped at P8. First time he's out-qualified the Gazman this season. Esteban on P9, Ricardo P10. Standouts, obviously, Yuki P8. Bottas P6 is a negative. Lando P3, Charlotte, your main man, sticking it right up there. Yeah, I think it was all a bit surprising for everyone, even for Lando. I don't think he quite expected it. Um, it was really impressive, and it was just quite nice to see him back on form after a long time. Uh, after, you know, he's had a, quite a few difficult races, and, you know, his last time he was in the top three was when he stuck it on pole in Sochi. I mean, you all know how painful that was um, <laughs> with the outcome of that race. So, yeah, it was really nice to see him, and especially his family was there. It was lovely. Should have put the Inters on. No, I'm joking. We're not going to go back into that. <laughs> Um, well, interestingly, 
<laughs> no, not this race. Has it ever, has it ever rained in Abu Dhabi? Um, interestingly, both Red Bull drivers got through to Q3 on the soft tyre, which seemed like an interesting strategy call. Christian Horner claimed they were forced into it as a result of Max's lockup at Turn 1. Lewis Hamilton didn't buy that. He said in the media interviews that you don't look up at turn one. He thinks Max did that deliberately to intentionally force their hand. I don't really know what Lewis was trying to say there, but it was very unexpected. Uh, I don't really think Max meant to do because why would you... If he really wanted to go through on softs, you would just go through on softs. You wouldn't flat spot a set of medium tyres. There's no point because they might be useful during the race and if they've got a flat spot, obviously you're not going to want to use them. So... I don't think he done it on purpose. I think Red Bull kind of had their hands tied due to Max's mistake. But well, to be fair, he is right though. How often do you see drivers look up at turn one? It, it, it's not like a, a big heavy braking zone. It's, it's sort of like a medium speed 90 left, isn't it? Yeah, so, it's not a massive one. Yeah, it's not really where you expect drivers to lock up. But I don't buy what Lewis said that it was intentional. Cause I, and I feel like we, we kind of did see on Sunday that it was beneficial to be on those mediums. But... Maybe it was his mind goes from Lewis Hamilton, you know, he's a wildy old fox, he knows what he's doing, he's trying to get in his head. Maybe, maybe. The Mercs were on the medium tyre. Go on, Charlotte. Yeah, I was just going to say, it probably was a bit of, you know, gameplay, you know, try and get in Red Bull's head a bit with, you know, that kind of strategy. But it was interesting because most of the other drivers, I think actually the top, no, yeah, both Mercs were on the mediums, but everyone else was, I think, on the soft tyre. Um, to start for the race on Sunday, I believe. Yuki was on the mediums as well. Yuki was on the medium as well. But yeah, it seemed like the softs were the pre- preferable tyre or that was the only tyre that people felt comfortable with getting into Q3 on. Um, but yes, it made it very interesting to see what was going to happen between Max and Lewis to start on Sunday because I thought the soft tyre, that's going to be a very good quick getaway for Max. As you say, soft tyres are rapid off the line, but the mediums last longer, so that did did make it interesting for Sunday. Um, just after qualifying on Saturday, quick shout-out to Oscar Piastri, who won the F2 title in the second of the three Formula 2 races. What a driver he is, and it is such a shame that he's on the sidelines for next year. I thought he won it after the first race. He did win it after Was the it? first Jesus. race. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought he won it after the second race. No. Jesus. Well done, Oscar. Uh, know, it is well, like I was saying before with um, Giovinazzi. There's, you know, nowadays modern F1. I mean, I guess throughout F1 history, it isn't always about ability. It's often about how much money can you bring to a team. And so we're seeing it again. Obviously, maybe he hasn't got as much money to bring in as Guan Yu Zhou has, because I feel like he definitely deserves the Alfa yeah, over Zhou. And then you sort of look and you go, well, does Alonso really need to be at Alpine still? You know, he's getting old now. Would it be better to get um, Piastri with Ocon, maybe? Do you know, I mean, it's all it is buts and maybes, and you know. So, I do hope that 2023, he, um, I would guess Alonso would retire, and then they put Piastri in. That's what I'm hoping. Possibly, possibly. You just don't know, do you? I really hope Piastri does get a seat. But yeah, I was literally about to say what Jay has actually just said, because I am a bit bitter that he's not going to be in Formula One next year. I think it's criminal. Like in all his rookie seasons, he has won a championship and he's become Formula Two champion easily. It's just he's he's so as well. Yeah, exactly. Like he's so talented, and I just think it's ridiculous. But then what I said to myself to make myself feel a bit better about the situation was that yes. He's the Alpine reserve driver. But that way, 
He has time to gain experience, see how Formula One works, sit on the pit wall, see, you know, the runnings and maybe, you know, get data and information on how Alonso drives. Then the hope is that Alonso would retire for Piastri to then come in and take the seat in 2023. So that is my thought process. It's made me feel a bit happier. <laughs> um, and hopefully we will see him in 2023 because otherwise I will be causing a revolution to get him in there. Let's not forget about Callum Eilot as well. He's still sat on the sidelines. He deserves an F1 seat. Oh, I love Callum Eilot. But anyway, moving on. Um, Sunday morning, Nikita Me Mazepin. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Nick DeVries. And Nick DeVries, mate. Sunday <laughs> morning. Sorry, how are we just going to gloss over Nick DeVries? He was quickest today. Was, it, was, it, was he quickest today? Yes, yes, he was quickest. He's quickest in, in a testing. So that, that, that means that he's better than Bottas and Russell <laughs> and everyone else who was competing today. So I don't want to have him anyone. I mean, he was, yeah, you can't really judge it, though. Because Russell was in the mule car, which is like a second a lap slower. Oh, I don't care, mule car, mate. <laughs> a, good, a good workman doesn't blame his tools. And right now, you're making excuses for Russell and Bottas. I'm not hearing it. He was the quickest. Uh... All right, Jay, you think that. Um, Sunday morning, Nikita Mazepin was tested positive for COVID-19, which is a real shame, actually, considering it's the last race of the season. But F1 rules state that in order for him to be replaced, his replacement driver has to have had at least one practice session, which could be practice or qualifying. Obviously, because he only got positive on Sunday morning, that couldn't happen. So has it, only fielded one car. It could have been Jack Aitken, apparently, though. Really? If, Would it not have been has... Fittipaldi? No, because he didn't do um, a session, did he, Fittipaldi? Where Aitken oh. done a practice session. So if Haas really wanted to, they could have asked Williams to let Aitken drive the car. Obviously, they didn't. Oh, but I just, had not even thought of that. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, they would they would never do that because Hass have quite broke, and they, can you imagine if like Aitken broke like a front wing? It doesn't really matter though, is it? does it? It's the last race of the season. Yeah, but Hass are Hass are broke. I mean, not broke, but for them, like a broken front wing is worth a lot more to. Yeah, they're not in a great spot. A team like Merck or Ferrari or Red Bull. So, yeah, I mean, just throw just, just I, I was just throwing it out into the universe that Aitken could have raced for Hass. That'd have been pretty cool. Aitken against Schumacher, but oh well. Hadn't even thought of that. It's quite a good point, to be fair. Um, anyway, moving on to the Formula One race, which is what we're here to talk about. As I said, Max Verstappen was starting on the softs. He had pole position, which supposedly get off the line quicker. But come lights out, Lewis Hamilton got a flyer on the inside from P2 on the medium tyres. What a start. I literally had like my mouth wide open when that happened because I was, <laughs> no offense to Hamilton, I was really surprised just because I really thought that soft tire and with Max, you know, he's driving ability, he's just going to go flying. But Lewis's reaction time, I think was a tenth quicker than Max and he just set them alight, easy. There was no problem into turn one and I was buzzing. I do you know, I'm... I don't know whether he had like a really good formation lap and he just managed to get those mediums into a really good operating window. But before the race started, I think I was more concerned of Hamilton getting swamped by Norris, by Perez behind, who they were yeah. also on softs. And I thought, oh, if that happens, then, well, Verstappen's won the, the uh, championship by the first corner. But he absolutely launched off the line. He was well ahead of Verstappen before even turn one. And it's quite a short run. I think it's like 200 metres under turn one, which is one of the shortest of the year. And he was well ahead. And then... Yeah, I was actually... I mean, that was a mega start by Lewis. You could tell he really wanted it, didn't he? He was up for it. And I think that's where seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton had 
would always have an edge over whoever he's fighting against. Is He's been there, he's done that, he can deal with the pressure. Maybe the pressure got to Max a little bit, his start wasn't perfect. Lewis doesn't feel that as much as others because he's been there so many times and he absolutely nailed it into turn one. But that wasn't all the lap one drama. Later in the lap, Max came right back at Lewis Hamilton, dive-bombed down the inside. I'm going to say forced Lewis wide. I'm not saying he did anything wrong, but he did make... It meant Lewis had no track to go on to. But then Lewis kind of shot across the runoff area and built up a big gap. Do you guys think that was fair? Do you think Max was fair? Do you think Lewis was fair? What do you think of that whole incident? Do you know what? This was very confusing. So Max did his classic lunge, you know, dived in, not going to break. And yeah, I have, I, you know, I do think he didn't give Lewis enough room. He had to cut across the chicane. There was no room for Lewis. The only way was him to abort, otherwise they would have had a, a contact. But then it did look like Lewis had the advantage. And I was like, okay, Lewis needs to give that back. I was like, 100%. He needs to give the place back because he kind of just zoomed off and Max continued to complete the chicane. But Mercedes said, no, no, you're fine, Lewis. And the FAI had said that, well, here we go, the FIA. Um, Michael Massey uh, was happy with how Lewis didn't actually have a lasting advantage and he did give some time back. But I wasn't too sure if he really did, if I'm honest. I really thought that he should have given it to Max, if I'm honest. Yeah, when I first saw this, I thought Michael Massey was going to very much take the view now for the whole race of, oh, we'll let them race, you know, we'll just let this play out naturally. How wrong was I? Jay, what do you think of that incident? I think that the FIA got it right for 90% of it. I think Verstappen knew that basically I'm going to send it down the inside and either we hit and we're we're both out and I win the championship. Knowing he has that one win advantage so he can afford that, yeah. Or you're going to back out and I'm going to take the lead again. Because he was very far back. I I, I don't think Hamilton expected it. Obviously, the soft soft tyres, he had a bit more grip so he could... But I mean, Verstappen did keep it on track to be fair, just about. So, I think it was a a bold move, but it was a fair move by Max. I think Lewis obviously had to avoid the collision because if he actually did turn in and stay on the track, see, I saw a lot of like pundits saying, a lot of commentators and people online sort of saying that Hamilton should have backed out of it. But I think if there's a wall there, Hamilton can't do that, and and, and they collide. So I felt like in like in F1 terms. I think the way we look at things, we need to look at the edge of the track is a wall. And if you push someone against the wall, like if if that was at Baku or that was at Monaco or that was at Singapore or any other street circuit and there's a wall there, then we're having a very different conversation to what we're having now. But obviously, because there's absolute abundance of runoff area in most modern circuits, we're not having it. So I think it's pretty fair by Max Lewis. I think he was crafty going across the runoff area because they were literally side by side at the apex of the corner and then Hamilton by the next corner is like a second ahead so I don't think he gave the time back yeah which is where I'm saying they're 90% right I think Hamilton should have probably backed off more so have the slap in a bit closer to him but saying that I think no, no investigation required was probably the right call by the FIA yeah I, th- I think that was right to be honest with you um then it kind of settled down, really, and then there was quite a quiet period. It took about another 20 minutes or so. Max boxed, Lewis then boxed the lap after, because he had to, because otherwise they'd be on 
different strategies and that would get all complicated. So to preserve the lead, they both boxed at the same time. Give or take a lap. I did think, though, it was a little bit interesting. Just I understood why they did it. They were covering the undercut. But because Lewis was on the medium, we all know that Lewis loves to go long and never wants the pit. I thought it was just a little bit too soon when I first saw him go in after Max. I just thought he could have kept going. There was no sign of, like, tyre wear and, you know, degradation at all. I don't know. I, I don't know. Do you know. I think my fear was is that they just didn't want to get Verstappen in within Hamilton's pit window kind of thing. Because if they lost track position, Hamilton has to overtake Verstappen. And that is a very big risk. Because you know Max is just going to defend it tooth and nail. So I think they, they wanted to do everything they could to keep Hamilton ahead of Verstappen and just keep the buffer. And to be fair, it worked out well for them. They pit yeah. him. I mean, he got part... I mean, I know he had the issues with Perez, but I'm sure we'll go into, but he had a good gap still. No, it may, I understood, and I then agreed, but when he was told to box box, I was thinking, eh? <laughs> I was kind of thinking maybe at least it would have been like a, a couple of laps more. Um, but yeah, that was all. Yeah, I just don't think it was worth the risk for Mercedes. I think it could have worked really well. It could have been quite bad, and there was no need for them to risk it, really. It did take away the differing strategies, but never mind. Uh, Perez was still out at this point, so he took the race lead, essentially, and Hamilton started closing him down very quickly. The speed that Hamilton was closing him down, I was thinking, oh, no problem, he'll just find a DRS zone, glide past, take the lead into the corner. Sergio Perez did a stellar job at defending from Lewis Hamilton. He cost Hamilton six seconds in one lap and put Max right on the edge of Lewis's DRS zone. Crazy, crazy good job by Sergio Perez there. It was such good racing, though. Like, this is the kind of, like, hard racing that I want to see, where they're both battling, but there's mutual respect still. They're still giving yeah. each other enough room. I have to say, the Sector 3 bit was a little bit scary <laughs> between them both, because I think... Hamilton was getting a bit agitated and frustrated with Perez. Uh, and I started to think, oh my gosh, he's going he's gonna to hit Perez. This is not what we need. Um, but I, I thought it was an amazing battle. I absolutely loved it. I, I think Perez did park on a few apexes. He literally was going... That first sector, he was crawling oh, around. So slow. I think I could have gone faster my road car than that he was going in that final <laughs> sector. But... I mean, do, do, you know, do you know what the, the moment of realisation was about how good of a job Perez had done? Is that you saw the gap between Hamilton and Verstappen after the pit stops. And like, I think I think Sainz got between them as well. Did Sainz get between them? I don't no? think so. Sainz got between them? Well, so there was a big gap, wasn't there? And then out of nowhere, like they come along the main, the, the back straight. And then you just see a Red Bull and a Merc. And then Verstappen's just right behind. And you think, bloody hell, like, he's really caught up here. And, he, and then they, they have like, the little graphic where they show the... Um, the time difference on the laps and it was like minus six seconds and you think yeah poor what a job he's done the fact that i think Hamilton got past him on the first inst- instance and you thought well there you go he's off see you later and, and he came back at him on the next straight and then oh and, and like even when Hamilton did get by he gave verstappen drs he was the perfect team player i think verstappen called him a legend <laughs> and, and it, it, it was legendary driving from paris and then dan i don't want to be mean but I've, I've got to ask you this and i've got to ask you this as well sure if that was Verstappen approaching Bottas, would Bottas <laughs> have held up Check? Would Bottas have held up Verstappen for as long as Checo held up Hamilton? No. Sorry, well, Dan, no. hold on a second. Are you talking about no. specifically 
in the scenarios that were last race because Bottas's <laughs> engine was very very old. No, no. I'm or are you about talking in just Bottas in general? Mm. I don't I'm think he, general. no. I don't think he would have done quite as good a job as that. I think he probably would have defended better than he's defended before because uh. he wanted Lewis to win that title. He probably couldn't have done quite as much as Perez did. I'd but hope regardless, he more. as soon as Lewis got past Perez, he sped off again. Max was right in the fringes of his DRS zone, but he couldn't quite get into it. And then Lewis just went the second he passed Perez. But Perez did an absolutely stellar job. And the thing that annoys me about this is that he then felt the need to apologise for interfering with the championship battle after the race. Because the amount of slack he got from fans, he was like, yeah, sorry, I know you just wanted to see a clean fight, but I'm Max's teammate. I'm like, you did nothing wrong. It's purely the toxic toxicity, is that a word, of F1 fans. He felt the need to apologise, which I don't think is right. Mate, he did his the, job. Yeah, the game's the, game's the game in no, the day. No, it's fair play. The game's the game. And he did it really well. So, um, you know, there was no... Perfect. No instances. I, I thought you drove really uh, well. There was good space between him and Hamilton. Like, they were battling hard side by side, but there was still enough room. And it wasn't ever dodgy. So, yeah. it, it was great. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I quite enjoy that dynamic of having, you know, like these other other players in the game. So they're, they're sort of like sidekicks, you know what I mean? Mm. Charlotte's but face like, there. Imagine she, Perez just pulls out the way and goes, through you go, Lewis. Yeah. What? It's just, no, anyway. It adds a new dimension to the race. It adds a whole different strategical viewpoint, and I really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, then Kimi retired with breaking issues, which ended his F1 career, which was quite a shame, really. Then Russell retired, ending his Williams career, which was also a shame. Um, Bottas then pitted. And then Giovinazzi retired, <laughs> ending can, his Alpha career. Can I just say that when I saw Giovinazzi retire, I, I mean, I was sort of thinking this is a bit suspicious because Russell managed to get, because like he, he's, what, what do you have, engine issues? Power uh, issues. Yes. It, and, overheating, I think. And he was at turn five, and he drove the whole lap pretty much <laughs> back to the pit lane. Giovinazzi had it on the back sh- on the on the second of the long back straights, and then where he parked the car was so weird. Yeah, like he didn't park it in the in one of like the little escape roads. Like he could have easily parked it there. They could have pulled him in, probably double yellow flagged it, and been fine. But he parked such a weird place. They had to bring up the VSC because they had to get one of the uh, trucks on there to wheel it to obviously pull the car back out. So I thought I was a bit naughty by Giovinazzi. Yeah, mm, I just, yeah. It's hard to there. tell. You, we don't know what problem he had exactly, and you don't know if it was intentional. I, I mean, I don't like, know whether he he could have no gone back to the pit lane, but there was like two escape roads, and he parked in the middle. <laughs> I you know, know I mean? and it was like if someone was to spin off, he he would be hit mm. at that it, corner. It very like, very yeah. bizarre. Because like I, I was watching it, I was pointing like, why don't you just go to the one behind you? You'd have probably saved all the time, and I was thinking, is that um, oh, is that Horner on the blower saying to him, you know what, mate, you part there, we'll give you some <laughs> money. I don't know. <laughs> give you some no, money. I, don't, I, I can't imagine there's anything in it. But under this VSC was the first FIA radio that we heard at the race, and it was Toto Wolf to Michael Messi saying, "There's no need for a safety car. Please don't put a safety car out." Do you guys think that the team principal should be able to talk to the race director mid-race? And this became a much bigger issue later on in the race. Race, I say in inverted commas for the end bit. But we're going to talk about it now. Do you do you agree that they can do this? Yes, I do. Because in any other sport, it's going to happen. You think football, you've got the managers rattling the referees here. 
linesman's here, fourth official's here, rugby, you've got the same. Literally, any other sport in the world, they've got it. So I, I, I just think it's, it's part and parcel with it that you, they're going to try and influence the uh, the officials. And it's, that's not really a bad thing. And I think it's been happening for years. But obviously, because this is the first year we've got the FIA team radio, we're hearing it. I mean, people are a bit disgusted. But I, I think it's part of the game. You know, you're trying to get the, the most advantage you can. And it's not total rules fault it's not Christian Horner's fault it's up to Michael Massey to be rebuttal enough to say you know I am the referee or I'm the I am the race director and what I say goes rather than sort of you know being influenced by uh the team principles I don't mind yeah it, personally. no I, I don't mind it I do like hearing the FIA radio but I don't know does it influence Michael Massey's decision I would say yes but we will get to that we will get to that uh Max had boxed for the second time and he put a brand new set of hard tyres on. Lewis didn't have another set of hards available so he couldn't do this even if he wanted to. He wasn't really in the track position to do so but it now seemed like a case of Max would have to hunt Lewis down using the much fresher rubber. But he wasn't really able to close the gap to Lewis. It kind of closed a little bit and then extended and then closed a little bit and then extended and Christian Horner said we need a miracle. Yeah, and I believe um, Bono said to Lewis on the radio that Max seemed to be eight tenths quicker a lap to catch Hamilton. And I think he was only achieving maybe like two tenths. But it was always about, I think in general, as it kept going, he was just stuck at like a 14 second gap. It wasn't really closing down enough. And, you know, like we've heard before, it's one thing catching someone, but it's another thing passing. So it, it seemed, you know, Mercedes' raw pace and Hamilton's raw pace was just, incredible this weekend he was so comfortable yeah it, it just never looked like Verstappen was going to catch him like the gap I think it's about like 18 seconds got down to like 12 and it kind of just stabilised and even went up to like wards 14 like Charlotte was saying and I was there and I was thinking Abu Dhabi has no right to be the final race of the year this is terrible I thought new track if new I configuration for every time you said that well, and I, I was thinking like new track, new configuration. I was excited. And I was thinking it has done nothing. This is boring. And I thought this is like F1's biggest race in years. And I thought this is actually snooze fest. And I thought, well, Hamilton's going to win easily. And I was thinking, you know, what a great year. It's a shame that it's going to end in with such a a mundane race, isn't it? But well, see, I thought the race was all right. To be fair, even up to the point we're about to talk about, I didn't think the race was too bad. No. I think we've had worse, e.g. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we've like had worse. Zandvoort and Monaco, where it was just them going round. Yeah, we've had worse, but I was thinking, like, this is the finale. The The world's eyes are on Formula 1, and it's a pretty stale race. Brazil would have been amazing. Yeah, but I'm, I'm obviously, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to that later, but I was thinking, yeah, yeah this is a bit naff. Okay, <laughs> time to get to the main event. We've done, we talked about the undercards time to get to the main event um nicholas Tifi was having a little battle with mick schumacher further back in the in the pack you know lap lap or two down and by the way i saw a couple of things on twitter with people saying how dare latifi battle schumacher and try and take the limelight when lewis v max is happening and i'm like yeah he's in the same race he's allowed to race it's his job uh latifi got dirty tires because he ran wide and he crashed is the only way of putting it he crashed in the final sector Ruined his car, wasn't able to go anywhere. Safety car deployed. Max pitted for softs because he had absolutely nothing to lose. And Lewis, just before this, by the way, had overtaken a whole load of lapped cars, which Max was supposed to overtake. 
go. Well, the problem was as well was that Lewis was on the same set of hard tyres that he had pitted on quite early on in the race. Uh, and there was actually a bit of concern that there could be a puncture of some sort, as we saw Lando Norris had to come in as there was a slow puncture forming on his hard tyres. Um, but he didn't have enough of a window to come into pit like Max, and there was Perez just behind Max, so like there was no problem. He was easy. Best option to pit. Um... <laughs> I don't really. I, Should I so keep painful. going? Should I explain I more? <laughs> I I'll, I'll explain. Just, I'll explain more. I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> I'll, exp <laughs> I'll explain more of what happened. Um, by the way, at this point, Perez had randomly DNF'd. He was called into the pit saying that he needed to box and retire the car. Perez sounded very confused at this message. From what I've heard, he was underfueled, or he didn't have enough fuel to finish the race, which would suggest was he underfueled in order to better battle Hamilton. That's not confirmed. I'm not saying this as that's what happened. Just putting it out there that that could have been what happened. I mean, if it was, I mean, the game's the game, isn't it? The game's the game. There's no regulation saying you can't do that. You know, F1 teams are going to exploit every little nook and cranny they can. So if that is, I mean, the Red Bull did say they had an engine problem. But if the real reason he retired is because he was underfueled, then fair play to Red Bull. It's quite an intelligent uh, tactic, I feel. Yeah, it shows that they'd completely sacked off the Constructors' Championship. They knew they weren't going to win that, and they were pushing their sole focus onto Max. What I will say is that was very risky, because if there'd been a situation that Perez had been in the lead and needed to hold up Hamilton late in the race, would have been a bit stuffed. But that didn't happen, and to be honest, I think it worked very well for them. Because at this point, Perez was now irrelevant to the battle, so got him out of the way. They weren't going to win the Constructors anyway. Bish bash bosh. Okay, now... <clears throat> As I said, Lewis had just overtaken lapped cars. Max had to overtake these lap cars just before the safety car came out. So, of course, the field had bunched up. There was Lewis Hamilton, five, four, five lapped cars, and then Max, five. I'm being told five. Five lapped cars, and then Max. So, ordinarily, under a safety car, the lapped cars would overtake and join the back of the pack. This didn't happen, and the message was put out that lapped cars would not be allowed to overtake, which... <sighs> If they wanted to get racing going, was the right thing to do. And, you know, do that, whatever. But then, the message changed to lapped cars can now overtake. But not all of them. Only the lapped cars between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen were allowed to overtake the safety car. That's not a rule. He's made up a rule. Michael Massey has made up a rule here. And this was just after Christian Horner had radioed Michael Massey and said, We only need one racing lap. Again, team principals trying to sway the decision. Oh, it just got very, very, very dodgy very quickly, didn't it? It also, sorry, Jay, just before you say that, the rulebook also states that after the lap cars have passed, the safety car comes in the following lap. It didn't. It came in the same lap. Well, this is the, the, this is the thing. So Red Bull, in their defence, said um, that. So the, the regulation says any lap cars may it overtake and Red Bull's defence was all lap cars any doesn't mean all which to be fair is a fair defence I feel but then the next line says once the last lap car has got past the safety car which basically means all of the lap cars need to go through I think oh go on Dan go on Dan before no I was going to say ordinarily I would agree with you that is the rule but Michael Messi at the Eiffel Grand Prix last year said there is a requirement in the sporting regulations to wave all the lap cars past 
because he was yeah, explaining why the safety is. car took longer to come in than expected. So he has completely contradicted his own sentence here. See, well, there's, there's a thing that they use in the courts called case law, and case law basically means that based on previous decisions, that's what you have to follow because you can't really just have two different decisions for something that's very similar. Case law, so there's now this precedent, like you say, precedent, not precedent, that's Joe Biden, precedent. Of, um, uh, there's a precedent of that all the lap cars need to go through. He said that last year at the Eiffel Grand Prix and now he's completely gone against it. I think when Latifi crashed, Massey had three options. He red flagged the race, which to be fair, I wouldn't have been a fan of because that is quite artificial. That is literally just the show. Like they even said, he, he said earlier in the weekend to, I think, Sky Sports that if there was a crash there, they wouldn't red flag it. They put a safety car. So there's that. So they could have red flagged it if they really wanted to. Um, either you you have that race in that, like Christian Horner said, but you don't let the lap cars overtake. So you have Hamilton, and then I think it was Norris, the Alpines, Leclerc, and I don't know, was it Gasly? Sonoda? I can't remember Vettel. what the cars are. Was it Vettel? Yeah. But so we you... also had the cars further back, like Alonso, who was very confused why he couldn't overtake. He was like, well, the others are, so why can't I? It's like, that's not the rules. Oh, I thought Alonso was in. I thought Alonso was in the train. It right? was cars number four, fourteen, thirty-one, sixteen, and five. Yeah. Oh, so Alonso could overtake. Either yeah, way, Alonso he was very confused. So I remember him coming over the radio and being confused. Uh, and and that's the thing that the regulations. So so either he, he he none of the lap cars through, the five cars go through as they did. So no, so so all all the lap cars go through. So all of them, even the ones at the back, Schumacher, Stroll, whatever, they come through, and they and then. You don't have a you don't have a racing lap because obviously regulation says safety car is coming at the end of the following lap and then that'd been the last lap which would have ended. So he should have just left the lap cars where they were and gone for a racing lap and that would have abided by the regulations. It would have given us one lap of racing, which probably would have been good because it is the season finale, and from an entertainment perspective that's fine. But he didn't. He sort of done nothing. He had three options, chose none of them. And now we're sitting here having these kind of conversations. And I cannot wait to hear what Charlotte has to say. Just before Charlotte does really quickly, it wouldn't though. If the rules had been followed, we wouldn't have had a racing lap. Because a safety car would have come in the following lap, according to the sporting no, regulations. No, I'm, I'm saying that if Massey just left the cars where they were, the, the lap cars where they were. Oh, I see. We, yeah. we, we could have got a racing lap. And obviously there just would have been five cars between Hamilton and Verstappen, which... It's a bit anticlimactic, but as a race official, your job isn't entertainment. If the racing's boring and F1's boring, that's F1's problem. That, that's Liberty's problem. That's not your problem. Your your job is to officiate, to uphold safety. Your job yeah. isn't to create entertainment. So You either leave the cars there as they are, or you let all the lap cars pass. But if he chose to let the lap cars pass, which he did, he then had to wait another lap to bring the safety car in, which he didn't. Go on, and, Charlotte. And, yeah. If I'm honest, you boys have said it quite well. Um, so I'm just going to throw in the anger and emotion into this. <laughs> um, if you're listening to our podcast, I think it's been no secret that I did want Lewis Hamilton to win the championship. That is a fact. But I didn't mind if Max won the championship. I thought if he wins this, I want him to win it fair and square with some good racing Good driving, no incidents like we saw in Saudi Arabia. A decent fight. But with Latifi crashing on lap 53 and Lewis Hamilton passed the line 
very short after, so, you know, on lap 54, Max went in straight for that pit stop. Fair play. I just cannot stand the FIAs and Michael Massey's indecisiveness this season. It's just, for me, if you're making a decision, you make that decision. It's like, I'm very indecisive, but this is just like another step for them to have been saying all the way for about three or four laps, no, we're not going to let lap cars through. And then obviously Max and Red Bull and Radio thinking that, you know, the FIA are against them. Well, hmm. um, and then to all of a sudden let them go on lap 57 out of 58. It's just ridiculous. And at the end of the day, Max is on fresh soft tyres. Lewis is on old hard tyres. There was not really much of an option for Mercedes and Hamilton if that if they're going to let the lap cars through. And it just felt like such a cop-out because I just knew that from that moment that they were going to, you know, lights were going to go green for lap 58 and Max was going to take it because... And that's just not fair. That is not a fair win. He... He, I'm sorry, he didn't deserve to win that race because he had no sign of that pace throughout the whole thing. There was no way he was going to win it, naturally. And, you know, there's Red Bull and Max saying that, you know, oh, of course they're not going to let this, of course they're not going to do that. But then that, and the FBI is saying, we, we, you know, we wanted a lap of racing. Okay, I understand that, but that's that's not a lap of racing. And you didn't let people like Carlos Sainz, who was now third behind Max, who could have even fought for the win, why not? You know, I just, it's just so like, it's just, that is not fair. And it's just really frustrating me because we've had this throughout the whole season, even just down to, you know, with different penalties. You know, Max was really upset with that penalty in Saudi Arabia um, last week. And, but there were so many other instances in this season where himself and other drivers had done moves like that and were not penalised and they've only just now decided to penalise it. It's just the consistency this season. It's just ridiculous. And, you know, like Jay said, and I also saw Corinne Chandock for Sky Sports F1 uh, post something yesterday saying that I, I much agree and I think I would have preferred if they either red flagged, everyone comes in, we have new soft tyres on or whatever tyres people have left, but, you know, new set of tyres actually like four laps of racing and then you know if max got it then brilliant that's four laps there's nothing more that it's like it's not unfair i felt like that's more fair that everyone was able to pit and have new ties etc or we leave the lap cars where they are and you know let max try to battle through and then try and get the win once again that would have been for me more exciting and it just felt so artificial and just not right anyways what? That's what run. Michael Messi's done <laughs> is he set the stage. He set the stage, and he, in order to set the stage, he's broken the sporting regulations. It's as simple as that. Now, I'm I was pretty neutral throughout the whole race, to be honest. Lewis deserved that championship, and I just feel it was completely taken away from him through no fault of his own. No fault of Max's, by the way. None no, of us are saying that Max, Max did anything Red wrong. Definitely Max was not. just put in this circumstance, and he was like, "Oh, thank you very much." It was Michael Massey in the FIA that did yeah. wrong. In my view, in that race, George Russell agreed. Can I? That's who I'm angry with. I just say as well, like I mean, I personally, I feel like for all of us, like we're not fans of Red Bull or Mercedes. I mean, I know you're you're a biased fan, Dan, but like we're not fans of Hamilton. We're not not fans of Mercedes happened. anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> alpha, we're, alpha. We're not we're not Hamilton fans. We're not Verstappen fans. But speaking for myself, I'm a fan of the sport. Yeah. But I love F1. I love 
racing. I love I love it all. Like, I adore it. I, I watch every practice session, every qualifying, every race, every second, every preseason test. I get excited when the liveries come out. And the thing with Sunday is I felt a bit ashamed to be an F1 fan. Like, this was the biggest race in maybe history. In in the UK, it was even put on free-to-air TV just so everyone could watch it. I'm sure all over the world, all of the items were on Formula 1. Social media was ridden with Formula 1. I was driving along the motorway and I was seeing signs promoting F1 and you never really see that. Go on, yeah, Charles. I was going to say, I think there's just loads of people who have been hearing this battle, you know, these two amazing drivers level on points. I think even people who aren't fans of Formula 1 racing the drivers, anything like that, were thought, well, I'm going to watch because I just want to see what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. People who weren't, who aren't F1 fans were tuning in, you know. It's sort of like, like you know the summer when, when England, there's football fever because England got to the finals of the yeah. Euros. And people who don't really like football were going to watch it because it's just such a big moment. It felt like that. And it feels like it was all a bit ruined. It was a bit, it was farcical, it was artificial. And all the people who were watching Formula 1, who were maybe going to get interested in it, are going to leave with a sour taste in their mouth because they watched basically what was a Hollywood script. It was, it felt very scripted, very, like Charlotte said, artificial, and that's sad. And I think, like as well, what Charlotte was saying is that the race director has a job to be impartial. And that to wasn't. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, essentially, yeah. It's not he, even necessarily that he did it to benefit Max, he did it to set the stage, but you can't break the rules in order to do that. No, F1 but, isn't a show. But, but the only person that he benefited was Max because, like Charlotte said, Carlos Sainz was P3, but he had all of those cars between him and Max. If Hamilton and Verstappen are Dyson and Jocelyn, you know, they push each other wide, Sainz comes through, Sainz wins the race. But he can't do that if he's got cars between them. That's unfair. People like Ricardo uh, Stroll, who were just outside the points, they've gone from having the cars just in front of them to the cars who've done an extra lap and they're now a lap ahead of them and right behind them. So obviously mm. they can't they can't get into the points. So it's unfair on them, it's unfair on people like Sainz and Leclerc. The only person that it really benefited was Max. And like we say, it was all for the show. Massey's job isn't to be the ringleader. He's an official. Do your job. You know, yeah. Ross it's up to Ross Braun, Dominicali. If they want to add sprint races, add sprint races. If they want to put in joker laps, if they want to put in, I don't know, you have to run the first lap of the Grand Prix. Hell, do that. But as an official, your job is to officiate. It's, it's to uphold safety. It's to police the race. It's to oversee it. It isn't to, to create drama. And that's why I think a lot of people, including myself, I still feel very numb about it as well. And it isn't because Hamilton lost and, oh, we're British, British bias, whatever. Hamilton wins. If, if the other way round, I'd be completely the same. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, so would I. And, and I'm seeing a lot of people on social media saying, oh, like Mercedes got the strategy wrong. Mercedes were literally snookered, to be fair to them. Because can you imagine, right, if they pit Hamilton, and obviously they make these decisions as per the regulations and as per previous decisions by Massey, like you said last year down at the Eiffel Grand Prix, if they're going by that and they go, well, it's going to take three laps to clear the car. And then he's going to let the lap cars overtake a step to the lap. Oh, this race is going to finish behind the safety car. That's the thing. These factor into their decisions. If those lap cars weren't there, I think they would have boxed. But it it really does really annoy me. This is what I'm saying, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, sorry, even earlier in the race, Bono said to Lewis, you know, if if there was to be a safety car, what tyre would you like, medium or the hards? So, you know, they were thinking in case of these variables... What would you prefer? 
and then obviously when the safety car came out, he didn't have enough of a buffer for Verstappen. But I was thinking, in a way, let's finish behind the safety car as well, because then that minimised the threat of Hamilton having a puncture. Because I thought, well, okay, that'd be great. But if they, I thought if there was racing, he's buggered. Well, when when Matthew said we're going to red flag it, he had two choices. He had either he follows the protocol, lets the lap cars by race hands behind the safety car. It's not ideal. But that's what the rules say. But that's what you've also, got to do. You know, these cars were in these positions from the rest of the race. Mm-hmm. That's what I or, also thought. Or if, 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 if you're going to get the racing lap, you can do as per the regulations as well, but not letting the lap cars through. And he didn't do either. And like we said, like these things factor into Mercedes' decisions. They were, they were effectively snooker. Can you imagine, right? If Merck put Hamilton in, lost up position, Verstappen stays out, Hamilton's P2 and find a safety car. They would have looked so stupid if that had happened. Mm. So, so stupid. So, I mean, they were damned if you do, damned if you don't. Massey's ruined it. I can't, or two things. Obviously, Merck have now appealed because obviously they they went to the stewards after the race and and the stewards are never going to go, oh, we was wrong, are we? Especially a decision that's that important. So, but I, I personally can't see how if Mercedes do go to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, how they're going to be declined because they've got such a strong case and I think everyone can see the case is so so strong so it's either Merck pull out for the integrity of the sport because this is going to be hugely damaging for Formula 1 and its integrity as a sport or they go to the court of arbitration and they rule in Mercedes favour and then what do F1 do because now f one stuck because let's say, let's say they don't overturn it Verstappen's championship victory will always be marred by this controversy and if they do yeah. overturn it, and Hamilton wins the championship in, say, January next year, when they, they finally rule, can you imagine how stupid that will look? So, everyone's lost. F1's lost. Verstappen's lost in a way. Hamilton's obviously majorly lost. There's no winners here. No, and that's what I was going to say. With Mercedes, I think they had two appeals after the race. I didn't want like Max to lose his championship now because I thought it's done like you know what's done is done and if Lewis gets it then you still have you know all the Red Bull and Max fans really upset and I didn't want Lewis to kind of I don't want him to win it in this way the same way if I'm honest I didn't want Max to win it in this way I wanted Max to win it off his own merit because he's had an amazing season he's done some amazing drives such dominating performances and I just feel a bit disappointed this is the way he's won it because this wasn't his race to win this weekend and it was obvious and I have to say it has it, it's even quite nice and surprising at the same time for um, quite a few of my friends messaging me who are not fans of the sport not watching Formula 1 but they've seen it on the news or any of the controversy like that and they even have recognised how that is wrong and that's people who aren't fans of the sport and it just kind of shows like what the FA? What were they doing? <laughs> but at the same time, I'm just not surprised this happened with how this season has panned out. It's like in a football match. If City, Man City were playing Man United, Man City were 4-0 up in the 85th minute and then Mike Dean, the referee, goes, do you know what? I just feel like we're going to have a penalty shootout to decide this match. <laughs> oh, by the way, City, you've got to play barefoot. It's like that. It's like giving one team a massive, massive advantage. Sorry, Dan has just stole that from Gary Lineker. Can you believe that? <laughs> He's quoting Gary Lineker. No, but no. I've got I, his Twitter on my phone. Nice. I, I agree. The, <laughs> so just as like a, I guess a, a closing thought before we move on to the awards. 
like I said, the world's eyes are on Formula One this weekend. And as someone who loves and adores Formula One, to sort of see people, you know, slagging it off, saying like it's a fix, it's a farce, it's scripted. I don't know. That, that to me, that's quite sad. And I'm sure for you guys it might be as well. Because like I say, like, we, we watch it week in, week out. We watch everything. We love it. We get excited about, I don't know, overtakes for P10 that people don't care about. But for us, like we adore it and we're passionate about it. And to sort of have people watching and say, this is a farce, this isn't real, it's quite sad. And I think F1 really lost out yesterday when it really should have won. It really, really should have won when it had the whole eyes on it, you know, and it lost. And that's because of the FIA, sadly. Anyway. No, it, it, it's such a shame. It is such a shame. Um, what I will say, as I've said, Max did nothing wrong. No one's blaming Max. No one's blaming Latifi. People are trying to blame Latifi for crashing. Mm. It's not Latifi's fault. Everyone makes mistakes. He's been pretty solid all season. He did choose quite a bad moment to crash, admittedly. But it's not his fault. But Lewis in Park Ferme was such a class act. He's just lost the championship in possibly the most unfair way possible. And he dealt with it like an absolute warrior he was brilliant in part for me just very quickly before i talk about lewis um i just want to say that max's lunge to overtake hamilton was great i mean he was miles back he had enough space mm. he saw that space it was an amazing move and it was really great racing from him and obviously lewis i think was using every last bit of that battery to try and get him but it was just too late but yeah i just want to say it was a great move it was really great racing from max he did a settler job on that but um yes moving on to lewis i w i would like to think that lewis handled that incredibly well and i would have to say if it was if that was max i don't think he would have done that at all sorry no, um, I, just from honest. what we saw from the saudi arabian like podium him walking off early you know lewis held that so amazingly it, it was breaking my heart because he didn't even drive onto um the main grid where you know max and um carlos parked their cars he went straight to park Ferme, but he just took some time to himself and it was just that's the thing it's just how he I'd lost this championship was the most heartbreaking thing. I won't, I have to say I was sobbing. <laughs> I was crying my eyes out because it was just how it all happened. It wasn't even the fact that he lost, it was how it happened. But you saw you had, you know, drivers coming up to him in his interviews. He congratulated Max straight away. He was so gracious. And I just thought that's a real champion there though. That really just proves everything to me. And I just thought it was a great example for the sport. Yeah, and as I say, nothing's been taken away from Max. I'm just going to play Max's radio as he crosses the line because I think this just sums up what it meant to Max Verstappen. And he did deserve this championship. There's nothing, no one in the world in their right mind can say Max didn't deserve the championship based on his performance over the season. He got very, very lucky in the last race and benefited from an absolute shocker from race control. But he did deserve it. And that goes on and on and on. But Alex Albon there, got to love him. Yeah, I was going to say, it was very sweet to hear Alex be the first guy on that radio. Um, but yeah, it was quite nice to hear that emotion actually pour out of Max because he has stayed so calm this year. And he said, well, if I win it, I win it. Like, it, it just seemed like he didn't care. And I thought, if he 
doesn't show her emotion winning this championship, I will be livid. But it was really nice to hear that outpour. He, you know, he was crying later on in that radio message as well. So, yeah, it was, you know, really deserving. And he's 24. Like, that's insane. He's 24, but he's been seven years in the sport. It's just, yeah, it's just amazing. Do you know what? I was going to say... Especially with, with Hamilton, he was so gracious in part of family. His dad, Anthony Hamilton, was, you know, very respectful. Went up to Jos Verstappen and Max Verstappen to congratulate them as well. It was a very nice moment. I think if that was Verstappen, who was been hunted down by Hamilton, or if it was Schumacher, or if it was Senna, or it was Prost, or it was, I don't know, actually, I don't know, I've run out of, so louder. I think they hit the other person. Like, you know... Going down to turn nine, that's the back corner. Hamilton was pretty much alongside. I think one of them drivers clips the rear wheel of the other car, gives it a puncher, and then you got a whole different story. So I think that I think even even shows because like Hamilton had a right to be f- furious, and he obviously kept it so cool. He could easily take it out Verstappen, you know, tried the few dark arts, but I think it shows his maturity, his eloquence that he didn't, he still raced fairly right until the very end, and even he was disappointed, he still spoke very well, so um, I felt like my respect for Hamilton has, has gone up massively over the, over this weekend. Yeah, he handled himself so well, he didn't put a foot wrong all weekend, it was, what well, he didn't get polled, but all race, he didn't put a foot wrong, but, you know, Michael Messi, what, what can you say already? You say Mercedes did protest it. Their protest was thrown out. Obviously, the FIA aren't going to find themselves guilty. They've lodged the intention to appeal. They haven't officially appealed yet. From what I've kind of seen via various sources on Twitter, I think they are going to go ahead with it. I'm not sure Lewis is particularly bothered, to be honest. I think he would quite happily have Max just uh, have F1 just say, yeah, all right, whatever. I don't think he wants this settled in the courtroom, but I do think Mercedes would take it there. And they do have a very strong case. Extremely strong thing. case, a very strong case. I think from Lewis's side of things, he doesn't want to win the championship in January. He wanted to win it on Sunday, and obviously that couldn't happen due to various reasons. He doesn't want his sort of name dragged through the mud as like someone who's going to try and win the championship through the courtroom. Because, it, I mean, if, if it does happen, which I doubt it will, that would just be so insane that you can win the championship two months after it. Like, I mean, I, I would say, do you guys remember 89? I mean, we weren't even alive then. But you know when like Senna won it, and then he got disqualified because he went through the escape road after he crashed with Prost. I don't know if you guys know that story. So, and obviously like Senna won the championship, everyone thought he was champion, and then after yeah. the F- the FIA, who the FIA were literally in Prost's back pocket, and they really then were. they found like him guilty of cheating because he basically Prost crashed him off, and then he went through the escape route to rejoin the track at Suzuka, and obviously Prost won the championship then. So, I don't think Hamilton wants that for himself, but. If Merck do, do go to the go go through the courts, I cannot see how they'd lose. I mean, I, I don't know what what, what they'd rule. I, I don't know if the courts would say you know you do a one lap count back. I mean, obviously they, they can't they can't rerun the race. That's that that that's set to them. They're not going to rerun the race. But I don't know what they could do. Maybe they just get rid of Massey. But Merck have a very strong case. Well, I think you know we saw at the end of the race, Toto said you need to count it from the lap before. And then Michael Massey did a really sassy and rude. Yeah, I did not get what you're about to say. I did not understand this at yeah. all. Yeah, he just went, well, that's motor racing. Like, get over it. And it's like, are you joking me? <laughs> I yeah, just thought, I are you joking like me? Um, the thing is with this is that 
I I just want Hamilton now, which you know he's he hasn't posted anything on social media, and I think it's just taken time, which is completely understandable. I just want him to have his head down for next year and just prove himself and get that eighth. I still want him to get that eighth, obviously, and be the greatest driver of all time in the championships because I think he blooming well deserves it. Um, but I want Mercedes to kind of say an appeal in the sense of t to kind of just you know, shine a light on how wrong this was in general, not just for them, but just for the future of motor racing. But I do not want Hamilton to win this championship like that, like we've said, because as well, it's just bad blood. We've seen, you know, Red Bull so obviously happy, you know, and Max really happy with this championship. And I just think just leave it as it is now. It's happened. There's... But I just don't want this to happen again in the future, is my point, if you understand. It's a little bit difficult to kind of come to an outcome with that point but um i think we just yeah. i just think and we need to do it i, don't I was know. gonna say quickly before we move on that i've seen a lot of red bull fans max fans sort of saying that merc a bitter hammock fans a bitter but yeah if the shoe was on the other foot they would be as angry wouldn't they so we would be talking about the lap yeah. one incident and they would be saying hampton should have given it back mm. and they will find i'm sorry but it's i don't like how bitter yeah if it was it's getting, it's getting i'm too just bitter, toxic. i just you know just enjoy, enjoy it sport, enjoy you it. know yeah so no hate <laughs> i would rather it just Goodbye. stay like it is to be honest i don't want it to happen exactly. in the courtroom whatever maybe a mess mistake was made well a mistake was made but just leave it as it is now. And, you know, Christian Horner's complaining a lot. He's like, I can't believe Mercedes are repealing it, whatever. If it was the other way around, he would be doing exactly, exactly. the same, probably with a lot more ferocity than Toto Wolff himself is. No one's saying Max did anything wrong. Max didn't. It is the FIA, as I've said. But what can you do? You know, Michael Messi does need to reconsider how he runs these races because he has not been at all perfect in his tenure as the FIA race director. And it did really show what a good job Charlie Whiting did. When he was the race director, because I don't think I know it wasn't broadcast, so we didn't know what went on. But I don't think we would have seen this in the Charlie Whiting days. I think it would have been much clearer and whatever. Maybe Massey needs a stronger team around him, but it's just such a shame. We all said we don't want the championship decided months after it, and that's exactly what we're getting. It's such a shame. Anyway, should we move on to the awards? You know, everyone's gonna have their own opinions on that controversy, but let's just hope it improves for next season. Abu Dhabi Grand Prix Awards, Driver of the Day. Jay, who's your Driver of the Day? Right, you look going to be surprised, because I know last week <laughs> I did I did slag him off a bit. No! Yeah, I've gone <laughs> for Yuki Sonoda. Not he the worst was... anymore, is he, Jay? He's not. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's Sorry. not for the debate, but he was so good this weekend. Out-qualified Gasly, <laughs> got through to Q3 on the mediums, um, was in the top 10 all race, came fourth in the end, sent it past Bottas, on the last lap, that was a brilliant. That was a great move. move. That was bold. As a, even as a Bottas fan, that was a great move. It was, it was the Sonoda of F2. It was the Sonoda of Bahrain that we've seen. Um, so you know what? I'm not the kind of guy to just hold agendas against drivers when they're good. I'm gonna pick them up. So Sonoda, driver of the day for me. Sure. Oh, sorry, it just really made me laugh. What a, <laughs> what a difference. Um, well, I would. I've I've been a slip for the last few weeks, but I will say Hamilton. But I'm also gonna say Kimi Raikkonen. I was in that camp just because it's his last race. Why not? I know, retired, but I just had to. All right. <laughs> um, I'm going to say <laughs> Carlos Sainz. Sainz was incredible. I really rate Carlos. I really like Love Carlos. Love guy. Love him. So I'm going to say Carlos Sainz. What a beautiful man. Flop of the day. 
Charlotte, you first. Uh, Michael Massey. I know. What a shocker. I don't yeah, really no need to explain, explain that one. No need to explain. <laughs> no way. I know. Jay? I've gone. Well, obviously, I was going to say Massey. I was going to say Bottas, but then we was talking before we started recording and he had the old engine. So I'm going to go Charlotte Clerk. Mm. I feel like he was quite anonymous. And he, he, I mean, I know like he, he had a bit of a dodgy strategy from Ferrari, but Sainz jumped up the order. The clerk was slow in qualifying. He dropped down to 10th in the end. Uh, I feel like it was quite a quiet weekend by Charles Standards. I want to go Charles Clerk. I am, well, I would have said Massey. I don't want to repeat it. Can I say Ricardo? He had a very underwhelming yeah, weekend. He was terrible. Yeah, weekend. it was a shame. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't his best. Mistake of the day. Back to you, Jay. Uh, I mean, I've, uh, I don't really want to say his name, but I've got to go Latifi. That oh. see, the thing is, yeah, is that you know, there's there's certain corners in F1, and they always be remembered for certain things. So you sort of think, I don't know, the last chicane at Suzuka is remembered for Pronner and Prost and Senna crashing there. Um, what other corners are, are famous? Cops uh, will always be that Max and Lewis collision. Cops now. and Max and Lewis one. Heref will always be Villeneuve and. Schumacher, um, the one at Adelaide would be Hill and Schumacher. You know, these corners become synonymous with certain events, certain crashes. That corner will forever be remembered as the corner where Latifi crashed and brought on one of the most farcical endings in F1 racing history. So, I'm going to go Latifi. But don't hate him, though. Don't hate him, though. It was just a mistake. Sure. Uh, um, was... Yeah, sure. I'm going to say safety car, and that's more down to the decisions with it, not the safety car itself. It was needed, but uh, like we've said before, I think it should have been a red flag, or we keep the lap cars behind the safety car. So basically, Massey again. Yeah, but I don't want to say his name. So we're saying, you know, Why don't the you events. Call him <laughs> the last five laps. <laughs> Mistake of the day, I'm going Michael Messi. Absolutely goofed up. Horrendous. Bold by Dan. Horrendous. Horrendous. Best overtake. Uh, Jay. Or Shaw. I don't know. One of you. Can't remember oh, who's going first. Go on, Shaw. Go on, Shaw. Um, well, I don't know if you'll allow this, but I would like to say just the battle between Perez and Hamilton, because I just thought that was some interesting and fun overtakes. I guess the one where Perez came back at him on the second street, that, 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 yeah, that was, was kind of brilliant. Just, yeah. Like... They, you know, Perez did a lunge, but then there was still enough space for both Hamilton and Perez to remain on track. And then it just kind of happened a few times. And I just thought that was, yeah, I just thought it was really great. I've take that whole bit. I've gone again for Yuki Tsunoda. Hey, look at you. That that, that move on Bottas was actually a thing of beauty. Just absolutely sent it so late on the brakes. It was it was firm. It was fair, and it was nice. And I really appreciated that from Tsunoda. So. I mean, you know, this week he's in my good books. Yeah, well, I wanted that one, but Jay's taken it. So I'm actually going to go Seb on Lance Stroll quite near the start of the race, but he did a really Ooh, nice move that well lasted remembered. a couple of corners. Well remembered, Dan. That was very that nice. That felt like an absolute eternity ago, but well recalled. Yeah, that was a, a very nice move by Mr. Sebastian Vettel. Luck of the day. I think we're all going to say the same thing, Should probably. We say it all at the same time. Go on, count us in, Dan. Three, two, one. Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen. <laughs> yeah, Gasly. 
No, no, Verstappen, Verstappen, of course. <laughs> Although, to be fair, Gasly did get lucky with the red flag. And Gasly did get lucky, well. yeah. But red no, flag. Matt, I don't think we're not going to. So, not the red flag. So we wanted a red flag. We wanted a red flag. Underrated driver of the day. Sure. Okay, I was going to say, I'll, I'll go. Um, I've put two. Mm, all right, that... greedy. No, I'm joking. Put... Go on, uh, have I two. I am. I put Yuki slash Carlos. Because I first put Yuki because I thought, wow, P4. But then I was like, oh my gosh, Carlos is P3. And, you know, that was Prez's before he retired. So, obviously, they did great to be up there. But I just think that, you know, there's some great drives. And, yeah. I I, I went Sonoda because I'm on a Sonoda Hyatt train now. What a driver. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're four for water. <laughs> Do you know, what, like you said, Sean, what a difference seven days makes. <laughs> you know what? That was how I felt about Giovinazzi earlier in the season. I wasn't sure about him and now bloody love him. Um, I don't know who I'm going to say for this one. Um, no, yes I do. Science again. So good. I love that man. I, lo I love Science. I reckon he's probably second behind Bottas in my, my love of drivers. Oh. Science has planted himself firmly there this season. Uh, a lot of people have sort of been like, he's going to get wiped by white Leclerc's going to wipe the floor with him. But he, I mean, I know Leclerc had that sort of issue at uh, uh, Monaco, but that was his fault to be fair. Science is he's so consistent, isn't he? He's so consistent. Longest point scoring streak on the grid. He's best of the rest. He's best of the rest. Best of the rest. Yeah. What a man. They switched in the championship. I think it was uh, Charles who was P5 before, wasn't it? And now mm. uh, Carlos P took it. P7, now Lando's P6. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Unlucked of the day. Who got the unluckiest? I think we're all going to agree on this Should one we do as it well. Again? <laughs> again. Should we go? Three, two, one. Lewis. Lando Lewis Norris. Hamilton. What? Oh, oh, <laughs> nah. I've I've got. Lando's the most unlucky. I've got Hamilton, but Norris did have those gear, the, that gearbox issue. He yeah, did have quite, yeah. P8. And the puncher. Yeah, of course, he... but I didn't say he's the most unluckiest. Nah, okay, he was the most unlucky. But I just thought I'd, I'd give <laughs> him had, a shout he had out. Bad luck. He had bad I'd luck. Give him a shout out. He's yeah. had some rubbish luck over the last few races, <laughs> Lando Norris. He's had oh, like Bottas style luck. Don't um, start me. Best team radio moment, Jay. I've gone for well, I've got two, but I'll go for one. Alonso behind the safety car at the end. I don't know if you guys have heard it. He sort no, of I goes have. and he goes, <laughs> "How come we're not allowed to overtake?" Like when they got the message that they weren't allowed to overtake, and he was like, "Oh, it's a joke. Like I, I know why they're doing this." So you know, do you know what Alonso is? He's so cunning. He's so intelligent. He's so aware of what's going on, even in a race car. I think other drivers don't have that ability. And for him to be aware of what's going on and what it means in for different areas, different people's races, he's such a, a breath of fresh air in Formula 1. I'm actually going to be really sad when he retires. I know I was saying about Piastri coming in, but I, I do miss Fernando. Oh, I, I will miss him, and I missed him last year as well. I mean, Ricardo and you as well, because Ricardo at the end of the race, he said, I'm glad I wasn't involved in whatever happened at the end there. It seemed pretty effed up. So Ricardo knew as well. Everyone knew what was going on. And it wasn't right. Shut, sorry, I'm going back to that. Charlotte, best team radio moment. If I'm honest, I really don't know. <laughs> um, you, you could say Carlos, because my other one was, was going to be Carlos's, because Carlos said what we were saying earlier, that it's unfair that Verstappen gets to go past all of the lap cars, but Sainz doesn't. When Sainz, I think he felt that, you know, those two dice him for position, he could have won his first Grand Prix, and that's not that doesn't sit right with him. So, we'll have to sign as well for being aware. 
Bigger that would have been so exciting though if he actually got the win, mm. <laughs> like out of nowhere kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just say that I'll take that because um, yeah, if I'm honest, I was uh, a bit of a mess towards the end of the race, so I can't really remember what happened. <laughs> I'm I'm going to say Max Verstappen's over the line because although it was debatable that he shouldn't have oh God, spoken Max! about this, whatever, and Jade just gave Charlotte an actual heart attack, <laughs> that joy is what Formula One is all about. No, that sheer nice. elation that he's achieved his lifelong dream was just brilliant. And, you know, Alex Albon just, I don't know how he got the radio, but he just did. He must have grabbed it off GP. But it's just what they race for. It's what we watch the sport for, so... I really did like that. Best team of the day. Oh, I've got one. Go on. Go on, Jay. Alpha Tauri. Nice. P4, P5. Did Gasly oh. finish P5? Yeah, Gasly yeah. was P5, mate. Gasly no, what about Bottas? He was P6. Uh, no, he was P, like, something miles down. Yeah, he fell way back at no. the end. No! Wait, wait, wait. Well, now you're my head, Sean. I've got to double check it. But I'm pretty sure Gasly was I P5. I swear he didn't. Gasly was, no, Alpha no. Tauri definitely P4 and 5. Um, while right, we're on that team of the day, I'm going uh, Red Bull because Perez did a team really team game really well and Verstappen yeah, won the championship. Yeah, six in the end. Wow. You can go for sure. Um, team, 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 team. Well, I you know what? I will also say Red Bull. Um, they had a pretty good strategy. They were doing everything right down to the pits. Obviously, you know they could. Um, they had that buffer. Oh, did, did, did they have good strategy though? Or... Well, it just all kind of was working out. And, you know, with that what? race result, it worked out for them. Did whereas they... Hamilton oh. stayed out and it was a bit dodgy. No, but was that really good strategy? Or, or was I it don't know, Jay. Red I'm Bull panicking. gambling because they had to gamble and Merck couldn't gamble. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think, like, people are sort of saying Red Bull put a blinder. Oh, but I know. I know. I, I changed my mind. Um, Alfa Romeo. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> a, a double DNF and they get a best team. Yeah. You know it's the end of the season. <laughs> that is poor from you. Right, one thing we've learned. Oh. I'm going to say that Michael Messi is not a very good race director. Would you like to see a new one um, appointed by the start of next season? Either a new one appointed or a much stronger team to back Messi up. Because I do feel like he was, he's quite on his own when it comes to these decisions. And as the, as we have shown, it didn't work. He's too easily manipulated, Massey, I think. Too easily manipulated. Yeah. Anyway. Well, anyway, what's your guys? Sure. What have you learnt? I was going to say, is that yours, Jay, as well? <laughs> no, no. Mine is, well, I've said it a few times, Abby Dabby cannot be the season finale. Uh... You know, I mean, I know they made the change to the track. They didn't really do much. Get it in Brazil, get it in Japan, get it in like, Shanghai for all I care. So it's not Abu Dhabi, I beg, next year. Even though, even though it will be until 2030. 2030? Do you know how yeah, long that is? Yeah, I was about to say. In 2030, I'll probably have kids. And that is a long way away. So in, in 2030, Dan will actually finally be able to go out for a drink. That's how, that's how <laughs> far away the future is. <laughs> oh, damn you. Um, so, one, um, one spicy take. I didn't say mine. No, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, for fun. It's not. It's not exciting, if I'm honest. I was just gonna say, <laughs> don't really know uh, who to trust in the FIA. Is what I've learned. No. There you go. One but spicy anyway. take. <laughs> oh, my spicy take is that. I, I mean, I don't know if it's spicy enough, but F1 
this is one of its darkest days, or that sun is one of its darkest days. And I know, like I said before, you've got Imla 94, you've got obviously Bianchi back in 2012 and all of that. But in terms of like from a sporting perspective, I just watched a documentary on um, on Netflix called Bad Sport and it's about corruption in the sport. And it's mm-hmm. all felt very corrupt and it all felt, I think F1's gone too much on the Hollywood route. I don't know if it's because it's the new American owners. I know, I don't know because it's got the new Netflix documentary, but it all felt way too Hollywood. And sometimes, you know, the, the thing about sport is that sport is not official. It's natural. What happens, happens. And if it's boring, then at the end of the day, it'll be boring. That's that. That's just the way it is sometimes. That's just life. It isn't up for the race officials to get involved. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, so I was going to say that my spicy take is that the pressure got too much for Formula One. I just think they got in their heads... They were thinking too much about how, you know, this is the biggest race of probably, you know, almost of the whole of F1's life. And they were thinking too much about the new viewers and how we can make this exciting than actually having good, fair racing. Mine is that Carlos Sainz is one of the best drivers in Formula One. I'm turning into a Carlos Sainz fanboy today, but I absolutely love the guy. That's not even spicy, mate. That's just facts. Facts, okay, it's like facts, but facts. I'm faking it. Ooh, not him. Absolute facts. Um, let's revisit our predictions for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Let's I not. Let's not. That the podium <laughs> would be Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas, Verstappen. I was wrong, and I said that Perez would somehow interfere with Max Verstappen, and I was wrong. I said Lewis would win the championship, and I was wrong. Didn't go very well. Jay, you said. Um, well, you, why you don't, go. Why don't, why don't you just say, why don't you ask Charlotte? No one needs to hear about why. No, no, Jay, what did she say for your podium prediction? <laughs> no, 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 should we do mine? Because mine's not as anticlimactic. Jay's was, uh, <laughs> Jay's, Jay's was on another level. Um, <laughs> go on, go on. Yeah, so no, my podium was Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas. And my prediction was Lando top five, which was looking so good before I had that slow puncture. And I obviously said that Lewis was going to win the championship. He was up until lap 57. Well, Anyways, well, Jay. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back in the new year for the uh, no Bahrain Grand Prix preview. No chance. <laughs> I said, I said, it Bottas, <laughs> Bottas, Perez, Gasly. <laughs> Sorry. What? It's like you've never what? watched sport before, kind of. What, what was Bottas, Bottas let me down this weekend, man? He had a rubbish engine. Oh, it's not his fault. Rubbish. Why is he ever going to win? Uh... It gets I, even worse. I, I what thought... was your bold prediction? <laughs> I thought... I, sorry, I just, I, I just thought Hammond and Verstappen would crash and then Bottas would come through and it would be a bit anticlimactic. My bold uh... prediction was Sonoda would affect Hamilton in some kind of way and he didn't. <laughs> to be fair, there was a point, right, where... Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to claim it, but it was a point where, like, I think Hamilton was kind of to, to lap him or something like that. And I was like, oh, hang on, hang on a second. This could get a bit spicy. <laughs> and then I think when that happened, they threw the safety car, something like that. So... You're clutching at straws, though. Yeah, clutching at straws. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> and you said Hamilton would win the championship, and you didn't. Of well, course, we can't make any predictions now. Because, well, there's no, there's no race. That's, that's oh, it. I know. We could Done. predict the um the appeal Peters. procedure. 2021. Who's going to win the appeal? Delivered. I can't see it being overturned. Predict deliveries. I think I bet McLaren will go papaya. I <laughs> I think Ferrari would be red. Whoa. <laughs> I, I think that Ferrari will be purple. There you go. I've said mine. I mean, um, I'm joking. Will Merck go back to a silver livery? 
They I are. Think... Yeah, they've I said don't... they are. Okay. I like the black one though. Mm, me too, actually. Mm. I like both. I like the meaning behind the black one, but I think I prefer the silver one visually. I think the black looks mean. And uh, anyway, <clears throat> that's it for the. <laughs> what was that? Sorry. That was me being Anyways. mean. Oh right. Moving on. And uh, that is it for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix review. That was an absolute shambles of a race weekend. I'm not going to lie. It's just kind of tarnished the season in my view. But anyway, we will be back very, very shortly with the 2021 season review, which we can talk about all the races, all the drivers, and I'm much more looking forward to that than this one because that really was a shambles. And then we'll have episodes across the off-season, of course we will. And it's only really about a month and a half before we start getting liveries, we start getting all of this, all the F2 grid is falling into place. It's only like 92 days till Bahrain. I can't wait. 95 to Bahrain. Testing is even sooner. I cannot wait. It's not long. It's really not long. It, it feels long, long though. This it, it, I think the summer break feels longer. Days, some dark yeah. days ahead it of us. I think it's because by the end of the season, Brazil feels so recent ago. That That is not English. Brazil <laughs> Brazil felt like it wasn't too long ago. And Brazil was what? Between Brazil, there's been Qatar, Saudi and Abu Dhabi. I feel like Brazil feels like ages ago though. That was it. Yeah. Well, but as well, I have to say, I feel like I'm quite looking forward to a, a break after that season finale. I think I need a bit of time. I need time for myself. Charlotte's angry. She's no, not even angry. that. Just I just I'm exhausted. It was just a lot of emotions. Very very high drama. Yeah, true, true. Very quick shout as well. Extreme E season finale this weekend in Dorset. Jurassic uh, Jurassic X Pre. Can't wait for that. That is wait, going Danny, to be great. Danny, you going? Because you live in Dorset nowadays. It's it's not near me in Dorset, sadly. Oh. It would still be quite quite the trek, despite you know it's not not near my uni, which is disappointing. But never mind. Um, as I say, we'll be back in the off season. We'll of course be back to cover the new season. But so much more to look forward to before that. Um, Jay and Charlotte, thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Um, I th- I don't know why I thank you. Like. No, I don't either. It's not my show. It's our yeah, show. It's I was about show. to say, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of just thank you for just... I mean, I'll take the thanks, but I don't deserve it. Thank you for being so ever-present, Dan, and so <laughs> lively and bold and boisterous and just so energetic. I'm going to miss that in the off-season. There you go. We're still going to be here. I'll still be oh, seeing you every week, right? You know, you know, Maybe I was just not thinking, as frequent. I don't know. Is that like... You know, at the start of the episode, Dan always says, how are you guys? We never asked Dan, how are you? So, Dan, how are you before we go? Sad. <laughs> the season's over. Okay. Uh, Charlotte, thanks very much. Um, yeah, I mean, thanks, guys, for listening to my opinions. <laughs> now I've said that, Jay, I feel really weird saying thank you. But yeah, thanks to our listeners. Uh, let us know your opinions on the matters as well. And if you agree, I'm intrigued. Mm, so am I, so am I. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you just in just a few days. Not very long to wait at all. And we, of course, will bring you any news regarding the outcome of this Mercedes appeal. FIA prize giving on Thursday. It's going to run long after that. Oh, Charlotte's got a final comment. I've just remembered Lewis Hamilton is getting his knighthood officially tomorrow. So he is. He's officially he is. becoming a sir. Just quick. Sir Lewis Hamilton. Can't think of a man that deserves it more. And on that note, we'll see you all next week. Goodbye. Thank you.